Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you out this morning. And uh, let's turn in our Bibles today to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we'll start right there. But I, I, I'm thankful to see all of you and thankful to be with you today because God is a good God. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, in fact, we'll say it this way, the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul inspired him to say some things. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That just simply means mature enough to understand it. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught or comes to nothing. Verse 7 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. When he's talking about the hidden wisdom in the mysteries of God in verse 7, he's not talking about hidden wisdom hidden from God. It's hidden from me if I don't understand it. God knows everything. But he talked about, Paul was talking about here, that he was revealing mysteries that had never been made known up until his era and his time and his day. Now those in the Old Testament, the prophets there, got a glimpse of some of the things that Paul saw. And you can look back through the Old Testament and you can see Jesus from the book of Genesis on down through the Old Testament. And then we see him more fully in the New Testament. And then when you get into the epistles or the letters, you understand what Jesus Christ came to accomplish. I mean, he told us in the Gospels, but most of his followers, apostles and disciples, didn't even understand who Jesus was. Remember, and what he came to do. Remember, after he died on the cross, you know, shed his blood, was buried, and then they went and they ran and they hid because they did not understand the full plan of salvation. Now, I'm not belittling them at all, but what I'm saying is the mystery had not yet been made known to them to the point that they comprehended it because they didn't understand what was going on. But when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost... In Acts chapter 2, a greater experience and a depth in God came and a revelation from heaven came and was imparted to the apostles and all the disciplined followers of Jesus Christ, the born-again Christians, and they began to understand who Jesus was and what he came to do and what he came to accomplish. So that's what Paul is talking about. He said, I'm going to speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It wasn't a mystery to God. That's what I want to point out to you. But it was a mystery to Paul up until the time he received revelation. It was a mystery to the Christian world. Even Peter said about Paul, some of the things that Paul said is hard to be understood. But Paul said what he said by the Holy Ghost and he looked back to the Old Testament and he pulled scriptures out of the Old Testament that coincided inside what he was preaching. But nobody had seen those scriptures in the light that Paul had preached them until Paul come along. Paul was ordained by God to bring revelation to our era to let us know who Jesus Christ was. So the mysteries were only mysteries because they were not revealed to us. They were not mysteries to God. There's nothing new under the sun. God always declares the end from the beginning. He ordained before Jesus ever was born and before Jesus ever come to this earth that he would go to the cross, die, be buried, and rise again the third day and take the sins of the human race on himself. That's what the Bible talks about. But he talks about it. He's going to talk about that wisdom of God in a mystery. He says, uh, yet not the wisdom of this world, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, hidden from who? Hidden from us, or hidden from those that don't understand it, but it's not hidden from God. But notice this, which God ordained before the world until our glory. God has always known these things, but He reveals wisdom, and God is still revealing wisdom today. Verse 8 says, Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, what he's talking about is the devil was so dumb, he didn't even understand the plan of God, and it was written right in the Bible the whole time. You thought the devil was smart. 
God used the devil like a puppet on a string. And you say, well, isn't he? Well, he's got some strategies. Yes, he does. But when you understand that he's got nothing new and it's the same strategy time after time after time, you'll find out exactly how dumb he is. And the Bible says that we're going to look on him one day and we're going to say this in Georgia swamp language. Is that the peak squeak that caused all the havoc on the earth? And you're going to want to kick yourself in the rear end. What I say to do, let's have a rear end kicking service today and get it over with. Amen. <laughs> just, just decide that we're going to put the devil in his place. So the devil himself didn't even understand what was going on. He said if they had have understood the, the mystery of the gospel, then they would have never crucified our Lord and Savior. And notice here, it says, Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now he's talking about the princes of this world. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This is talking about the rulers of this age, the demonic spirits here. Notice it didn't say people crucified him. Even though people did do it. Why did they do it? They were inspired by Satan to do so. So what I'm talking about this morning is the spiritual world. That so many people do not understand because our society is so gifted. Uh, uh, I say this, but yeah, gifted in the spiritual visual realm. And they lean more to the physical realm and the physical world than they do the spiritual realm. Most every person on the planet, most every person, I'm not saying everyone because there are those that don't do this, but most every person lives their life for today only or for tomorrow or maybe for next week. And some may leave, live it to the point that they see their existence out to the end of their life, but most live only for the physical world. They never think about what goes on beyond this world. They don't understand that there is a spiritual world that influences every human being on this planet. The Lord woke me up on uh, July the 4th, was it 3.37 or something like that, a.m. It's coming to me, you know i got a perfect memory. You knew that, didn't you? You knew I had a perfect memory, and you do too. How did I get a perfect memory? Because I had a habit of going around saying, I don't remember that. I don't recall that. I don't remember that. I wish I could remember that. Somebody tell me, do you remember so-and-so? I said, I can't remember that. I don't remember that. And one day, just right in my spirit, I believe the Lord just spoke right up and said, do you know why you can't remember? I said, no, Lord, I don't know why. He said, because you say you can't. He said in Mark eleven twenty three, the Bible says, what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth is going to come to pass in your life. Now, just because you say it two or three times don't mean it's going to happen or mean it's not going to happen. But what you say consistently out of your mouth is eventually going to register on your spirit as to be the truth. And then your spirit, because you are a spirit being, you possess a soul and you live in a physical body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 will confirm that to you. But you are a spirit being. Your spirit's going to think that you want to be dumber and dirt. Well, you can't remember and it'll shut down that part of your brain. So what did you do? Well, I went and protested. I didn't, you know, take up for myself. You know what I mean? When you get attacked, a lot of times you want to take up for yourself and fight you a battle. I said, Lord, I don't want to lie about it. I don't want to tell them I can remember when I can't remember. I said, what do I tell them if I can't remember? He said, just say this. Just say it's coming to me. I said, what if it takes 14 years? It'd be better to come to you in 14 years than you lose it forever. But do you know when I changed my confession, it changed my understanding. And it got to be not because I was trying to store stuff in my memory bank or whatever you call it. I wasn't trying to store stuff in my brain. It just started coming to me. I had supernatural recall. And people, I talk to people periodically and they say, well, how do you remember that? Well, I, I really wasn't trying to remember it. I just declared that I've got a perfect memory in the name of Jesus. Granny said you need a little something to work with up there. You know what I mean? So we need, we need all the help we can get. So speak good things over yourself and just tell yourself that you are smart that you are sharp, that you are good looking, and that you have the ability and the anointing of God upon you and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Oh, you might get happy after a while if you think about all that kind of stuff. And just tell yourself that over and over. Say, well, nobody else will tell me, but tell yourself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes it's me, me, O oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. I'll pray for my brother and my sister in China and Czechoslovakia and Afghanistan and whoever else. There comes the time I better pray for me and get myself going in the right direction. But Paul here was talking about the princes of this world, 
demonic spirits that actually inspired people to take the life of Jesus. Why? On the cross. Because they didn't realize, the spirits didn't realize, the evil forces, Satan himself, did not realize what was going to be accomplished when Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He didn't even totally understand that Jesus was a sacrificial lamb. That every one of the lambs that had been offered on the, the uh, sacrifice all through the Old Testament were all types and shadows. Every single sacrifice, all the blood that was shed up till the time of Jesus was only pointing to the cross and pointing to Jesus. But when Jesus would shed his blood on the cross, die, and then ascend and rise and go into heaven and offer his blood on the Holy of Holies, because there is a heavenly Holy of Holies. In fact, the, the uh, Holy of Holies on earth was built after the pattern and tabernacle that's in heaven. You understand, spiritual things always overrule physical things if we follow God. But anyway... Jesus Christ came to be the sacrificial lamb and he died. But the evil spirits that inspired these people, yes, Pilate was up there and he just, you know, he didn't know what to do. He was in a dilemma because he said, I can find no fault in him. And that's the way he should have been because of Jesus. If Jesus could have had fault, then he couldn't have died for our sins. And that's not what I'm speaking about. But they could find no fault in him. But the people demanded of Pilate, uh, instead of taking Barabbas, the robber, you know, and, and, and crucifying him, they wanted to take an innocent individual and they wanted to crucify him. Nobody in their right mind would do that. I said nobody in their right mind would do that. I said nobody in their right mind would let a robber go through free, a notorious individual that's hurt, maybe even killed many people, harmed many people, and take an innocent individual that no fault could be found in them and demand that the innocent person be killed and the robber and the murderer and the pilfer and killer go free. Nobody in their right mind. So the people that were demanding that Jesus Christ be set free, I mean be crucified, were not in their right mind, were not in the right spiritual condition. They were of the wrong spirit. And so you could blame it on the Jews, you could blame it on the high priest, you could blame it on Pilate, but ultimately it comes down to the devil that thought that if he took Jesus out, that he would still rule and reign on this earth because that's what the devil's kingdom operates here. Because he knew that Jesus come to establish his kingdom on this earth. If he took him out, then it would be over. But he didn't realize the whole picture. He didn't have the full mystery, right? He didn't have it. And so the spiritual forces motivated people to make the wrong decisions. And they had Jesus Christ crucified. Yes, people carried out the physical act. And yes, they should not have yielded to those evil spirits. But there was a spiritual world that overruled the physical world of that day. And we can see that right here in this verse. He said, had the princes of this world knew what they were doing, talking about the demon spirits, knew what they're doing, they would not have crucified our Lord and Savior. Why wouldn't they have crucified Him? Because they realized that this is going to make it worse by we're actually following God's plan doing this. And so, evil spirits, evil spirits invited people to obey the evil spirits. Instead of obeying God, follow the evil spirits, follow Satan, and through the physical action of crucifying Jesus, the people that did that and demanded that Jesus be crucified were actually obeying Satan himself. And these were, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were what we would call the religious people of their day. So that brings us to this thought. Let's just transfer. You believe in translation, right? It's in the book of Acts. Remember Philip baptized somebody in the water and then he was found over there in Azotus somewhere, you know, just translated. So let's just translate ourselves back from the days of Jesus to our day. If evil spirits could influence human beings then, can they influence human beings today? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm glad you came this morning. We're not here to make the devil look good, but we're here to expose him and put him in his place because there is much demonic spiritual activity that's going on in the world. But aren't we glad that because of the shed blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior that we have authority over every devil and demon if we will use that authority. And I'm going to talk to you about how 
to use that authority and how it works before we leave this service today. Don't make me preach all my series on this at one time because I probably got about 15 or 20 different ones, different aspects of this and how it operates. But that one that I was talking about, and there's other products, and we have many other products. You go to our website, you can get. But my secretary just, <clears throat> just I just said this, whatever, whatever you believe, just throw it in the box and we'll go because the rest of it's packed up for our meeting. But Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 12, or verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Aren't you glad that he didn't say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to succumb or be overcome by the wiles, tricks, tests, and strategies of the devil? Aren't you glad it doesn't say it that way? I'm glad it says it this way. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there are evil forces that want to dominate human beings because a spirit, an evil spirit, a demon, whatever you want to prefer to call it, a demon, an evil spirit, both being the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? A demon or an evil spirit is the same thing. They are of Satan. What they are, they are disembodied spirits. Disembodied spirits means they are spirit, if you allow me to use this terminology for lack of a better word. My doctor here can might help me with it. But uh, for lack of a better word, they are spirit persons, but they have no body. Just like the Holy Ghost is a person. He's not a blob. He is a person, and he has a personality. But demons are spirit persons, but they have no physical body, which means they have no range of expression, or they cannot express themselves in the physical world that we live in now, I, I, I'll take that back. They can't express themselves, but there are, that's a long message in that. But the, the reason that demons are evil spirits, whichever you prefer, they're one and the same. The reason they want to inhabit human beings is because then they can have the widest range of expression in the physical world. What makes individuals, maybe a college student, just like I think it happened over in Virginia, walk in with automatic weapons and shoot people on the campus and kill many college students for absolutely no reason. Because the person, bless them, bless their family, the person was demon-possessed. The person had yielded to an evil spirit, had opened up that, his life to these demons. And some say that he had played some kind of games that had went far out, and I don't know exactly how that works in that sense, but I do know this. You have to watch you, what you participate in in this physical world because you can yield to devils and demons. I think, uh, have you heard me tell the story about my sister-in-law? Did I tell you the story about my sister-in-law and her yielding to devils and demons and they coming in the house and all that kind of stuff and her losing her mind? Well, my sister-in-law, talking about this too, about how you can yield to these things, I was visiting my brother in Uvalde, Texas. That's right outside of Houston. It'd be on the east side of Houston, Texas. If you're going on Interstate 10, headed west toward Houston, uh, right before you got into Houston, you would see an exit that said Uvalde, Texas. If you took that exit, you'd go right into there. It's not far beyond the Louisiana line. It's a little ways, but it's not real far. And you stop there at Uvalde, Texas. My brother was there, was a director of construction and uh, the supervisor for all of that and for the original Great American Chocolate Chip Cookie Stores. Y'all seen the cookie stores in the mall? There used to be the one that started that company, the company that started, started there, and he was the director of construction for them. In fact, he's, their office was out of Atlanta, but he, they wound up getting moved out. There's a long story how all that happened. But anyway, he was the director of construction. He oversaw all the stores that were being built. And now there's a lot of, there's several different kind of cookie stores. But the one that says the original Great American, that was the first one that ever come up with the idea of baking a cookie, put the chocolate chips and put the smiley faces on it and all that kind of stuff. And, and you would gobble them down and go by the mall, smell of them, buy them. Oh, Lord. And, and, 
and they were making money. And, I, and they did make money because I talked to a banker because I got involved in that a little bit. And I asked him, I said, are you making any money off of these cookie stores? He said, it's better than a license to steal. He said, people cannot pass a cookie. <laughs> Got cookie monsters coming around here. Where was that? Anyway, my sister-in-law was in Uvalde, Texas. Talking about how spirits can influence people. And you have to watch the paraphernalia that you allow to come into your life. Movies that you allow to come into your life. Games that you allow to come into your life. People you allow to come into your life. And, and open yourself up to that. I mean, you can't, you don't have to shut yourself away from society. And there's no fear in this because then you'd have to leave the world because all around us, these things are going on. But my sister-in-law started to loosen her hair, started having a physical and mental breakdown. A beautiful, blonde-headed young lady had two uh, little children, a little boy and a little girl. And she was just having a horrendous time. And it got so bad that she would actually just leave their home and go and leave her little children. I mean, no mama would really, you know, and it, that happens a lot today. But, it, you know, it, back then it didn't happen. But today a lot of it have crack and all that stuff causes those things, you know, and people yield to that mess and there's really no excuse for it. Ought to take people like that, tie them up, drag them out in the middle of the swamps, tie them to a tree, and pray for them all night long. <laughs> My God, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, you go, you're out there when that happens. And, of course, I know people that's friends of mine that have done that. And we've tried to rescue them, you know. But anyway, my sister-in-law was just, just losing her mind to the point that they were going to have to put her in an institution because my brother could not work and support the family and keep an eye on her you know, and leave the kids with her either. Couldn't do that. So he's going to have to do something totally. And so it come down to the end. And so I wound up in Uvalde, Texas. My daddy was there. My brother and his wife, uh, Tracy, was there. And that was her name. And my little brother was Keith. He was there. And we was going to help my brother do some things and move because he was going to have to put her in an institution for the mentally ill. They used to call them insane asylums. I don't know what they call them today, but... And mommy and granny used to call them nut houses. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking nobody. That's Aunt Kate from Virginia. You know, y'all headed up away. Aunt Kate, she used to call them nut houses. And, and she always called the you know, internal revenue service. She said the infernal revenue services after me. I'd say, Aunt Kate, that's not what it means. Well, I know what I'm talking about, you know. But anyway, I went there and, and because I, my brother had his two little kids and his wife, my oldest brother, was in his house, you know. They went and slept in their bedroom with the two little babies because they're small and had one in a baby bed even. And, uh, and then my daddy went to another bedroom because there was three bedrooms in this house and my brother and his wife went to another bedroom. So I'm left in the living room area. It was a living room den combination with a kitchen off to the side kind of deal. And, I, and I'm on a hide-a-bed, sofa pull-out bed. And I pull out the sofa bed and uh, everybody's going to bed. You know, and I turn the lights out and I get under the cover and I lie there. And then suddenly, it's as if somebody turned the air conditioner on 10 below zero. It got freezing cold. I remember my first thought was might have been rational. You can judge and see. I thought, well, I don't know who my brother has for an air condition around here, but I'm sure going to find out and get me one of them because it works. I like cold air, my wife will tell you. She trembles and shakes, and, and I like the cold air, cool it down, bring the polar bears in. My God, let's go. You know what I mean? But... <laughs> Let's, let's, let's get them going. But uh, the, uh, it was like somebody turned the air conditioning down. And then I sensed something evil in that room with me. And this evil presence, now I didn't see anything. But this evil presence, I could tell it was standing beside my sofa bed. Whatever it was, I could just sense it spiritually. When, you, when you're... Sensitive spiritually, you can, you can sense things. That doesn't mean you go around looking for booger bears all the time. Thank God Jesus is with us. But anyway, this spiritual entity, whatever it was, it was a demon of some kind. I found out later I didn't know then. I knew that this thing wanted to grab a hold to me and it wanted to enter my physical body because I knew how demons operate. I knew how they work. And I didn't know everything that I know today, but I, I knew some. And this thing, I realized, was going to try to get a hold to me. It was going to try to enter me, enter my body. I said, how is all that happen? That's another message within itself, but it can happen. 
And so while I'm lying there, I thought, no, I'm going to rebuke this because I've been taught from a child to plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to rebuke this thing and I'm going to command it to go in the name of Jesus Christ. So when I opened my mouth to say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus get away from me, I could not utter one word. My vocal cords were frozen. I could not speak. I could not talk. I could think, but I couldn't talk. I tried to lift my hand, but I could not lift my hand. I tried to move my leg, but I could not move my leg. It was like I was frozen. In fact, it was, you could say this, I was paralyzed, I realized later, with fear. You know, fear is a paralyzing force. I was so afraid of this thing, I could not act. I could not move. I could not talk. And so I got to thinking, if I could open my mouth, I'd holler for my daddy. Now, I was a big fella, but my daddy was a Pentecostal preacher, and he believed in casting out devils. And if I called my daddy, that devil going to run. I know right now. You know, why he wasn't running from me, I didn't know. But that devil was standing there, whatever it was. I'm not talking about the devil himself, but an evil spirit that was there. And then finally, I just remembered, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm panicking, you know, there's no lie about that. Fear was trying to grip me, and I knew I had to overcome that. But I remember just from a kid, you know, what do I do? Granny said, Daddy said, Mama said, plead the blood. Preacher said, plead the blood. So just inside of myself, in my spirit, I just started saying, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Well, I couldn't say it, you know, my vocal cords weren't working. But I just kept, you know, inside, I plead the blood. And finally, I got to where I could actually move and I could say, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. And I got to where I could get louder. I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I bind you devil, get away from me. And then suddenly, it's like somebody turned the air off and the warm room is normal again in temperature. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And so, I said, Lord, what is this? He said, it's an evil spirit. I said, how did it get in this house? Remember, my sister-in-law's losing her mind. They're going to put her in a mental institution. She can't take care of the kids. She don't watch her kids like she's supposed to. Just walk off and leave them. All kind of stuff going on. And the Lord said, get up and turn on the light and go to the bookshelf. And I did. I got up and turned on the light and said, well, where am I going? He said, look on the top shelf. And so I looked at the top shelf at the bookshelf. And guess what? It was up there. Witchcraft and the occult. How to find your spirit guide. And I looked through there. There was all kinds of stuff. Incantations that will bring your spirit guide to you. He said the reason your sister-in-law has having all these problems is because she's brought this demonic paraphernalia into your, her house. You better watch what you fool with. I'm here to tell you. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm trying to put faith in you. He said, the reason she's having all these problems, the reason medical science cannot help her, psychologists and psychiatrists had not been able to help her, there was not a money issue. They had good insurance. And it paid for any and every kind of treatment you could imagine. Every lotion and potion known to man, Strickaline, Valvoline, Maybelline, I don't care what it was. They'd rub a little dab on you, you know, whatever it was. And nothing would help her. And I realized, that's why Becky, my sister-in-law, was having problems. She's dealing with demonic things and just thinking it's a game. It's not a game. It's a real world. The demons crucified Jesus through people because they yielded to him. And my sister-in-law's about to lose her mind, her family, and her children because she's yielding the devil. She's opened the door to it. So I went back and got into bed. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I knew what I, as soon as my brother gets up in the morning, my older brother, I'm going to tell him about this because I was the second, you know, and I'm going to tell him. So he got up early the next morning, bumbling around, you know, and I jumped right up in my old PJs, my pajamas, you know. And I, I said, Ray, he said, what is it? It looks like you've seen a ghost. I said, it's worse than that. I said, a demon tried to get me last night. He said, what? And he knew I wasn't joking. I was serious. He said, what are you talking about? I said, come here, come here. So he come over there, and I said, look up there in that bookshelf. He said, what? I said, look close. And he started looking at the titles. He don't ever pay any attention to it. You know, he's out working all the time. He said, well, how'd this get in here? Witchcraft in the occult? How to conjure up your spirit guide? I said, just look at all them books. So he just started going through that shelf, just pulling them out. And there was about 20 to 25 books from that whole case, because he went through it, that was something to do with the occult, witchcraft, black magic, white magic, all kind of junk like that, you know. And he said, what are we going to do? I said, well, the only thing I know to do in the book of Acts is they burn them. He said, go wake up, Daddy. I said, Daddy, come here. Come here. Daddy jumped up. What is it? I said, a demon tried to get me. He's up then. You know? 
And here come my little brother staggering out about there. He might have been the demon. I don't know. <laughs> he, he comes staggering out. What is it? I, he said, I said, a demon tried to get me. He said, I'm going back to bed. I said, <laughs> he didn't believe all that, you know. But I said, come on. And so we got out there, and Daddy said, what is it? I said, he said, oh, my God. I said, Daddy, I had an experience last night. He said, I knew something was going on. My daddy did. He said, I knew I'd done prayed and I fasted. He believed in fasting and prayer. And I'd fasted and prayed for her. Laid hands on her. He said, many times. And he had. And I got no results. Well, you can't get results for healing if there's a demon. You've got to cast that thing out or people have got to quit yielding to it, you know. And so but what was causing her physical and mental breakdown was demonic activity. And that doesn't mean just because somebody has physical and mental breakdowns, it's demonic activity. You can be something physically wrong or mentally wrong with somebody and they need a physical healing. But in her case, she didn't need physical healing. She needed to quit fooling with the devil. Isn't that right? Because it didn't matter how much you prayed for, if she wants to go back to that stuff, then that's exactly what's going to happen. So anyway, we took a, one of those 33-gallon uh, galvanized ca trash cans out there outside and we uh, took lighter fluid like you start a charcoal fire with, put them books down in there and sprayed that stuff in there and we burnt the devil. Now, let me show you what happened. Or tell you what happened. Can't show you. I ain't got no DVD here to transport you. Maybe one day we'll be there. But anyway, technology's coming along. They probably got it somewhere, you know. But uh, my sister-in-law got up, and uh, the first thing that my brother said, because she heard all the commotion carrying on, my brother said, Becky, what in the world are you doing dealing with witchcraft and demonic things? Oh, and she went ballistic. She started screaming. She started cursing. She started snarling like an animal. This thing had her. And of course, Ray, my brother, he didn't know what to do at all. And Ray looked at me and said, what do we do? I said, cast the thing out of her. She said, you can't make it leave. I want it. And we couldn't. And they wound up going separate ways. And she wound up, you know, spared some but she did never recover from the situation that she was in. It makes a difference because uh, as to what you yield to because that determines your actions in life. Jesus was crucified because people yielded to the wrong spirit. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. We're not here to lift the devil up, but to make you aware of the spiritual realm. But just, just like you can yield to the evil spirits, you can yield to the Holy Spirit. And we want to yield to the Holy Spirit. Where did I say turn to? Matthew 12. Are y'all sure y'all got it right? No, y'all are not. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. This is Jesus himself talking. And you can see some more light here. In fact, the, in fact, the Bible gives us very little light about the origin of Satan, you know, and things like that and how he operates. But many believe that there was something called a, a pre-Adamic race that was here before this creation was here today. The earth, you know, they have proven scientifically have been here millions and billions of years, they say. I don't know. But, you know, if you go back to Dake's writing, Reverend Finnis Dake, he started talking about these things, and a guy named Clarence Larkin Years ago, he came up with what they call dispensational theology. Now, I'm kind of like Dad Hagee when it comes to this. I'm not dogmatic about this. And Brother Hagee, you said this way. He wasn't even pupmatic about it, and I'm not either. I can't prove it one way or the other. Don't know if it is or not. But uh, many believe that there was a pre-Adamic race. In other words, pre to the Adam that was our great-grandfather and great-grandmother. There was another... A kingdom here that Satan ruled and reigned over and that was a demonic kingdom and when that kingdom fell and collapsed and God said in Genesis chapter 1 replenish the earth and let there be light and the earth was you know without form and void that there had been a fall to the previous creation and I'm just going into theology I'm not <laughs> I don't know if it's theology or whatever but anyway is no biblical proof, but many scholars that know a lot more than I do say that this may be where these evil spirits come from. Where they come from, I don't know, but we have authority over them. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. It says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, notice the unclean spirit was in a man. Where was it at? 
in a what? In a man. How do you know? The Bible says so. My books are always open test books. Uh, open test, you know, open book test is what I meant to say. You got that? Open book test. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, what has he done? He walks through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return to my house. He claims that the man's body that he lived in, this evil spirit, was his house. How could it become his house? Because the man invited him in. There's no devil or demon that can come into your house or your body, or your mind, unless you invite him in, or them in. How do you do it? Just like my sister-in-law did. Start fooling around with things pertaining to and of the devil, and you'll invite them in. Stay away from those things. Drugs, alcohol, tobacco, all those kind of things. I have cast out more devils along those lines, and how people got demons, because there's lustful spirits, believe it or not, and I don't want to get in too far. No, I don't want to say that. Because sometimes you can say things and, and people get confused and I, I've already confused you enough. I don't want to confuse you anymore. But anyway, demons can do a lot more than what a lot of people think if you don't walk with the Lord. Verse 44, he said, Then he saith, I will return from my house from which I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Notice it's empty, swept, and garnished. It's cleaned up. Well, if the devil left, yes, it's going to be clean. If the devil's there, he's going to be dirty. Isn't that right? So he finds this thing all cleaned up. Verse 45. Then goeth he, he who, this evil spirit, this demon, this demonic force. He said, then goeth he and taketh with himself, in other words, not only him, but he's going to take with him seven other wicked spirits, evil spirits, or demon spirits that are what? More wicked than himself. He's going to get people that are stronger than him, these demon spirits that are stronger than he is. And then he says what? And he says, and they enter in and dwell there. They go back to that place, this man they came out of, and the man opens the door up to him. He may do it knowingly or unknowingly. They enter in and do what? Dwell there. And what happens to this person? And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also be unto this wicked generation. It was one spirit in this individual, but when he went back, he took seven others, which became a total of eight. Why did he take seven others? To give him some help to work on this man's uh, psyche, or work on this man's personality, or work on this man's soul, so that to the point that they could weaken this person's will, that they could control this man and make him do what they wanted him to. I have seen it happen time and time and time again. I've cast demons out of people that were supernaturally empowered strength-wise. You remember the madman of Gadara? In fact, let's turn there. Mark, what is it, Mark chapter 5 or somewhere? Amen. I know you're not shouting this morning. In Mark chapter 5, let's look here. Verse number 1. And we just want, don't want to concentrate on the bad side, even though I've been there, but I want to show you there's a spiritual world. Because if you'll understand the spiritual world on the negative side, then we can clearly understand it on the positive side, the Holy Ghost side. God is a spirit, just like Satan is a spirit person. God is a spirit. He's not a blob, and Satan is not a blob. Satan is going to be bound. He's going to be chained. He's not a blob. Our news, last newsletter, we talk about some of these things. In fact, it's already been mailed out. And you can get it off our website at randallgreer.org. Verse number 5, uh, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. He's speaking of Jesus and his disciples. It says, And when he, speaking of Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, out of the cemetery, out of the graveyard, whatever you'd prefer to call it, a man with had an unclean spirit. In other words, this man was a human being, but he had a spirit being that lived inside of him. And this spirit being made him do things that he, as a human, would not do unless this spirit being was inside of him. Verse 3, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. They had tried to catch this man, apprehend this man, handcuff this man, chain him up, put him in shackles, and they could not. Why? Verse 4 tells you why. Because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. 
In other words, they probably took a logging chain, we would call today, wrapped this man in it. This man was so supernaturally strengthened by these demons that he broke them, and you cannot do that with normal human strength. It was super abnormal strength that come from the devil. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. What it means is neither could any man tame him. The psychologist and psychiatrist couldn't help him. Pastoral counseling would not help him. <laughs> Talking to Brother Randy would not help him. You understand? Nothing would help him. It don't need no talking right here. They need some casting. They don't need no talking. They need some casting. Why? Because he'd let this thing in. Verse 5. And always, say always. How do you know always? The Bible says always. In other words, night and day, which means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, always. He was in the mountains, running around like a wild maniac, and in the tombs, our graveyards, crying and doing what? Cutting himself with stones. Now, I was telling uh, Patrick Chris this yesterday. We was dealing with some youth earlier, what was it, June? And the Lord told me to pray for youth that had been having problems with suicide. And what we discovered is, I ministered to how many? 21, 26? 26 youth that it either had already attempted suicide, and these are people below 18 years old, 12 to 18, right? Had already attempted suicide, or were going to commit suicide before they came to this meeting, we called it youth camp, and uh, many of them had been practicing something called cutting. It's very popular among youth in certain areas today that they actually take razor blades and cut themselves. This is of demonic origin. We taught them about that and taught them how the devil... See, this man ran around cutting himself with stones, sharp rocks, sharp objects. That's all he would have in his day. Today you can get a knife or a razor blade or, or something like that or whatever. You know, over in India, I don't know if you've ever seen it, you know, and I don't want to be vulgar, but they actually take big hooks like you'd go fishing, but they're big hooks, and they hook them through human flesh, and they hang them up on a thing, and they hang them there, and they do this, and they think they're worshiping their God, and they're actually doing it for demons. Any of this kind of stuff is of demonic origin, and it's picking up momentum in the United States of America, and I know you don't need to know this because you haven't been hanging from a fish hook lately. But if you start down this path, it won't be long before you will be hanging from a fish hook. It says, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. He was totally in torment. Serving the devil is not fun. Serving the devil is not glorious. Going to that party that you thought where all your friends were there and getting high and reefered up and snorted up and shot up and drunk up, it's not good. Because in the end, you're going to be running around like this man, wild, cutting yourself with stones, acting like a demon idiot. And that's what's going on in our society. But we're going to stop it as a church. Verse 5, verse 6. But when he saw Jesus, thank God we need to see Jesus. Afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now there's all kinds of thoughts about that ran and worshipped him. But this is my opinion, and I certainly don't know it all. I've got an LLDR degree. What is that? Long-legged devil runner. <laughs> you got short leg, get you an SLDR degree. He ran and worshipped him. I believe at this moment, this man was responding to the Lordship of Jesus. I believe that. I believe that this human being realized my help. You kind of want help to get it. You can't make a demon leave somebody that wants that demon. This man, he ran and worshipped Jesus. This was the natural man that wasn't the evil spirit worshipping Jesus. But when this man ran because he realized somehow he knew his help was there. His hope was there. He worshipped him. Verse 7. He cried with a loud voice now, and said, and this is a demon now speaking through him. The man ran and done the worshipping. How he done the worshipping? I don't know. I don't know if he just knelt down or what. But he ran and worshipped and then he said, and he cried with a loud voice. I believe it was the demon here that cried with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. This is the demon talking. It was not the man, because why? The man wants help. The man don't want to act like this. The man don't want to be a raving idiot and a lunatic. He wants help. 
What did Jesus do? For Jesus had said to the Spirit, for he said unto him, Jesus said unto him, him who? The Spirit, not the man. Notice that? He said to the Spirit, for he said unto him, come out of the man. He said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So he's not talking to the man, is he? He's talking to the unclean spirit. A lot of times when you're dealing with situations, people want to deal with human beings and you cannot deal with a human being. You've got to deal with the spirit that's working through or behind an individual. Sometimes harassing spirits will try to harass you and if you try to deal with a human being that's doing the harassment, it's going to cause you trouble. A lot of trouble in the flesh, but if you deal with the spirit and say, you foul spirit that's operating through so-and-so, and you never have to be around them. You could be a thousand miles from them. I command you to stop your maneuvers right now, and that's going to stop and desist against me. In the name of Jesus Christ, it will have to stop. I'm not saying the flesh can't be involved and the flesh want to harass you, but I'm talking about if it's an evil spirit, it, they've got to stop. In verse 9, he asked him, Jesus asked this spirit, what is your name? He's talking to the spirit. And he answered through this man's vocal cords, his spirit did, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. In which that number's about 2,000, right in there somewhere. It says, And they besought him, this evil spirit did in verse 10, much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there now nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith, or in other words, Jesus right away gave them leave or told them to go. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 of these uh, pigs or hogs. And what happened? And they were choked in the what? Sea, right? That's what I meant about 2,000 pigs a while ago. The hog had enough sense to get away from the devil. Do you? That would be a good title, wouldn't it? The hogs had enough sense to get away from the devil, do you? I might preach that. Don't, don't, don't work on me now. It says, And they that fed the swine or tended to the hogs fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and seen him that was possessed with the devil. He had been possessed, at verse 15. And it had the legion of these demons sitting and clothed in what? And in his right mind. For the first time in many, many, many years, the man was in his right mind, he had clothes on, and he wasn't acting like a raving, raving, mad lunatic. And verse 16 says, And they that saw it told them, the others that came, how it befell to him that was possessed of the devil, also concerning the swine, or how the pigs went and drowned themselves in the ocean. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him, asked Jesus that he might be with him. He wanted to stay with Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus suffered him not, in other words, would not allow him to, but said unto them, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and has had compassion on thee. So the Lord wants us to set us free, and then he wants to go to us to tell others how they can be set free. Verse 20 said, The man departed and began to publish or preach or tell others into Capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Why did they marvel? Because they realized that this was the man that used to live out in the cemetery, the graveyard, the tombs, uh, and he ran around with no clothes on like a raving lunatic, mad, uh, out of his mind, and nobody wouldn't go close to where this man was at. They had tried to help him before, realized they couldn't, so they just left him on his own. And they wouldn't go around him. But notice, this man was influenced by a spirit from the spirit realm. There are evil spirits that want to influence the human being. But there's also the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, that wants to influence us for good, just like the devil wants to influence us for bad. So how do we get influenced by the Holy Ghost? We get influenced, number one, through His Word. Number two, by spending time in prayer. Number three, by walking out the, in the light of what the Word of God says. If we walk out and live God's Word, you will actually do this right here. Look here. You will close the door to the devil in your life. These evil spirits that I'm talking about have no right to come into your life if you walk in line with the Word of God. If you walk in the light of the Bible, and that doesn't mean you got to be perfect every single moment of your life, but the blood of Jesus is there, but we're headed in that direction. 
If you practice what the Bible says, you close the door to the devil and you open the door to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus Christ, to God the Father, and there's a protection that comes around you. The Bible says the angels of God encamp around about those that serve Him and in the secret place of the Most High. God is with me wherever I go. He takes care of me wherever I go. It matters not where I'm at. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me or my family in the name of Jesus Christ or my ministry or whatever that I have authority over, which would be my immediate surroundings, of course, and what God has given me authority over. Why? Because I'm going to walk in light of God's Word just like you are, and we're going to close the door to the devil, and we're going to walk in victory. So when you get home today, if you get home today and don't take an early rapture on us, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He said, I'm going to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. I'm going far beyond the sky. I'm going to shout and sing while the heavens ring, while I'm bidding this world goodbye. You know what that song does? Woo, Pentecostal folks around here. Oh, Enoch was walking, singing that song one day, walking down the road, shoo, God took him. Elijah was, went across the River Jordan and shoo, a chariot come down and got him. But when you get home today, just go through your house worshiping the Lord. Create a haven for the Holy Spirit. Play good music. Worship music if you're going to play it. You know what I mean? Have good materials and products in your house. Go through your magazine rack. Brother Randy, you're going too far here. I'm just telling you the truth. You watch some of that stuff. Say, well, you want to be crazy? No, just, just watch what you do. And just be aware of what you allow to come in your environment, in your world. That don't mean you can't go visit people and have friends, because you're going to have friends on this planet that's not going to even know where you're coming from. And you can't force it off on them. You can be a friend to them and you can help them. You know, and you can pray for them. But just clean up your act. You know what I mean? Keep your world free of the devil's paraphernalia and anything he would have to offer. And so what I'm going to do, number one, is concentrate on what? The Word of God. Reading God's Word. Number two, spending time in prayer because that gives me a, a place of being acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number three, Walking in light of what I read in the Bible. Living what the Bible says. You know, a good chapter, it'll help you. If you get this chapter under your belt and live it, I mean, boy, we will be arrived almost. Colossians chapter 3. If you just get that chapter, just, just make it a habit. Just read it. You know, sometimes I was up this morning reading and studying and meditating. I said, self, you're going to do what that says too. You're going to act right. You're going to live right. You're going to do right. You're going to be right. It tells you what to put off. It tells you what to put on. You know what I mean? All those kind of good things. And of course, it's not works that saves me. It's the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what am I doing? I'm closing the door to the enemy, and you will too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for...